Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's an Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law, and with me as always, DJ Mark. What's up? Also joining me this week, Lavender Gooms. Hello, guys, and in case you think you know me, let me just let you know, I wish you a happy National Edge Day. No, I, I guess I don't know you or what edge. Wait, is it is. that edge or is it like edge is a guitar player from U2 or is it neither? Oh, I have no idea. It just says National Edge Day on uh, the. Is the there an image to, to give us a clue or? I'm not questioning uh, everyone up until me, this point me, because this is a flawed me, thing if there ever was let me, one. Let me, let me hook you up on game here. Uh, actually, it kind of goes to uh, another wrestler we, we know. Uh, October 17th promotes a movement of youth. Refraining from alcohol, tobacco, and other recreational okay, so drugs. So straight, straight edge. Okay. Yes. Okay. Like uh, CM was... Punk. And besides that, I wish a happy birthday to my oldest nephew, Joel. All right. Happy Very birthday, nice. Joel. All right, boys and girls. Um, we're we're going to talk about UFC 280. We've been all waiting for this card for a while. Quite frankly, I was so excited for this card. I thought it was last week. I was very disappointed to be reminded that we had to go through another week of the Apex. We had, Even though this Apex card on paper, we didn't necessarily think was bad. And then we lost the fight. At least I was most excited for. I think we all were, quite frankly. We thought we got some fucking men, clarity at men's flyweight a little bit here with Askarov and uh, Royville. Um, mm -hmm. And then uh, Askarov missed weight. And then allegedly he turned down the catch weight. Which is according to Brandon Royville. So I think Brandon Royville was down with the catchweight if he's the one reporting this. So mm. I need someone to explain to me what happened there. That's That's got to be that perhaps he felt so depleted that he probably had a good inkling that he was going to offer up a very shit performance if he went into the octagon, perhaps. So um, I understand that. This is worse, though, for your career. With your relationship with the promoter. I mean, I'm not sure what's below fighting on a fight pass card, on a, on a Apex card. That isn't on regular ESPN at all. Maybe the prelims? Is the net, is, where, where, I don't know. I just don't, I think fucking with the matchmaker's plans is always a, no, nah, it doesn't go well for you. As, as Marquez wants to say, a fighter is contracted to do two things, make weight and show up. He didn't make weight and he didn't want to show up. Yeah, he didn't even come through with that end of it, Marcus. Damn. Um, uh, yeah, dude, I, I didn't really read what the reasoning was, but I thought I, I thought I heard that it was like the, um, medical team didn't allow him to cut more. So that we, we've been getting mean, that be a better. lot more. Like I would take that. Yeah. I don't know like, if that was the case, but it also wouldn't make sense. I, I don't understand if there's like a medical team is like, oh, we're going to stop you from cutting weight, but yeah, you can have a cage fight tomorrow. Let me see what it says. Like, I'm trying fine. to, I mean, I'm, no, probably, like, this you, is information you, I probably should have looked into beforehand, but, uh. I mean, it's not that relevant. I just think it's funny that Royville like, yeah. literally is saying the other guy they wouldn't let him do it, which I don't. I don't know. 
I mean, whatever. I just like the, the thing where, the, where there's a medical doctor saying, yo, it's too dangerous to put that sweatsuit on. But go get these four ounce gloves on and get in that cage and fight that guy. That's fine. I'm, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm going to medically yeah, clear that's why, you. That's for why, that. what's his name? Miss but Wayne? you get in that sauna, motherfucker, you may die. Well, what was the name of the motherfucker? Uh, what was his name? The dude who met against Nate, where the guy said he was not, he said he couldn't cut weight because the doctors wouldn't let him, but they were they agreed to, that he could still be in a goddamn cage fight. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Yeah, those uh, Chemev. Right? Yeah, Chemev. Yeah. Cam- Camzat, yeah. It's like, Cam- geez, I like how we just forgot the dude. We, forgot, we, we, yeah. We've all fucking. Everybody else is excited about him at middleweight. Us on this podcast are like, yeah, this motherfucker promises hey, a welterweight fight. <laughs> you you miss weight? You're dead to us here. On we, are, we are professionals here, quite frankly. Um, All right. Um, Alexa Grasso, Viviana, Viviani, Aru, they said her name about 14 different ways on the broadcast. Mm-hmm. Um, So I don't know what it is. Um, Arujo, I'll go with Arujo. All right. Um, went five rounds. Honestly, at the end of it, I was just like, I think Alexa, Alexa Garasso won all five of those rounds. And I think she won all five of those rounds by a little bit. Um, Mark, I said before this podcast, this was certainly a fight that happened. I don't want to say it was boring or bad. It was just, it was all right, right? I guess. What did you think? Yeah. <laughs> there, there. I mean, there was very few moments where the output was particularly high or either combatant was really going after it um you know i think alexa did kind of find her range in the the middle to later rounds and i think she ultimately did her best when she was really mixing up her attacks we kind of know her as a boxer and definitely in those later rounds like she was getting more comfortable getting in the pocket and scoring clean jabs every now and then a one two uh but i thought it was when she mixed it up through high kicks through kicks at all in general uh i thought she fared a little bit better but it was a low output fight with each kind of gal kind of taking shots like one of them would shoot a jab or a one two and the other one would follow with a jab or one two and it kind of played out that way with alexa just the output being slightly higher and her landing some more cleaner shots so yeah nothing to go back and rewatch. but it was a big win for her you know big main event i mean she be, she was number rounds. five right she was number five yeah, i think i think it was five and six maybe oh, yeah, look, you know what the poster literally said does it say five and six no it doesn't but i think you're right i oh, know it does say five and six on it yeah that was five okay. versus six I guess when you control the rankings, you can just, you know, you commit to that poster early on. Sure. Um, yeah, the big win for her. I mean, Mike, um, Alexa Grasso is someone that the UFC has wanted to be a thing for a while. Because I mean, in addition to her being a very, showing a lot of talent at a young age, this company knows how to promote women one way and one way only. And Alexa checks those boxes, I'd say. You know? Way to skirt around that. No, issue they there, they, they only know they can tell you how they can tell you. Look, she's pretty and she can fight. That's what they do. They can't promote anybody else to save their life. Like, that's just I'm just saying that's so part of a larger discussion where I question how whether they can promote anybody, any individual at all. But anyway, um, she got the win here. She herself said, "I uh, I want another main event before I fight Valentina." Uh, I do you think she has a say in that matter? Because I think she uh, is next by default. What do you think? I think it's always risky when you start saying, I need another tune-up fight before mm-hmm. I fight for the championship. I think it was actually another flyweight, but a uh, men's flyweight. I forget what the guy's name was. Horiguchi. Kyoji Horiguchi, mm-hmm. yes. 
Was it? Oh, wait. Are you sure? You sure it wasn't another Japanese dude? No, he was the one who said, I'm not ready for Mighty Mouse yet. Let me get another fight. And then his next fight, they had him fight Mighty Mouse. That's, that's what we're talking about? The, no, there was another guy um, in the flyweight division, if I'm right, that said, no, I think I need one more fight until I'm ready. And then he lost that fight, and he never sniffed the championship again. Oh, um, okay. It, You're thinking it, about that it, scenario, it, okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's always a, a risky proposition when probably there's some humility there which you know i guess respect but i think when you have the shot for 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 a title i think you need to take it um you never know if the ufc is going to go cold on you even if you if you if you get another win dana white is a very capricious man so i think you should get your title title shot if if you can get it and she deserves it she's won four straight yeah, I mean, Mark, you and I were talking earlier, and part of the reason I brought this up also is that she's ranked five, and one through four is Chukasian, Santos, Murphy, Andrade, who, oh, and four, right there, I guess the champ. Um, mm-hmm. I guess it kind of depends if, if what Valentina's doing, right? Like, if she wants to fight next, it's logic dictates Alexa, right? But if she doesn't, and she needs to take a little time, maybe missing time for whatever reason, what do you what do you think they do? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously the fight with Amanda is still somewhat appealing. Um, if they go that direction, then obviously there's time for Alexa to take another fight. And there's a couple girls up above her that I don't think she's fought. I don't think she fought Lauren Murphy. I don't think she fought Santos. Um, she said she wanted another main event, and I think that might be a little tricky because even with those two girls. I could see them doing another. I mean, it would be another fight night card, right? I mean, that that's kind of where the level they're at to kind of headline a thing. And I think if Grosso's not going to have the next fight for the title, I think she needs to have a five round fight. Just I, I think that is, you know, a marquee advantage that the champion, especially a reigning champion or someone that's been at the very top of the division for a long time, is always going to have over challengers coming up. Is that experience being in the five, you know, five round fights? And this was her first exposure to that she did well you know it wasn't an, an amazing exciting fight but she didn't gas out she she had the experience going five rounds so her fighting one of those girls i think murphy or santos i think would be uh interesting tests for her but like you said they need bodies to kind of keep valentina you know active and if they're not going to put on the big fight with amanda grasso is kind of a safe bet right like that's a fight that valentina should win handily and she can win that fight and then they still have the amanda nunez fight for whenever they need to cash i, I in wonder on that, if but. marcus i wonder if santos getting i mean getting an immediate rematch as a challenger just because it was close like i don't think anybody mm-hmm. had her i mean i'm looking at mma decisions for because i haven't read anything i don't know if you guys have that people are talking about like less than talia santos against valentina shevchenko again you know what i mean i don't think um Anybody else is talking? Anybody's talking like that's coming up, like that's being discussed. Looks like we got two to one scorecards for Shevchenko over Santos. So maybe, I don't know. I just, I don't know what else is really there. I mean, you could either you do a rematch or you do Alexa, who just won here, or you do Amanda Nunes. Like the the, the options are getting limited. You I, know? Mean, I, and I, I, I mean, we also have what's her name down up at Bantamweight saying she deserves an immediate rematch too now, which I've seen zero people agree with her. Um, who? Juliana. Getting an immediate oh. rematch, like literally, I've seen zero sure. people. So well, the know. second fight was so dominant, but I mean, it, it really depends on that. What is Amanda going to do? What is Valentina going to do? If they're not going to make that match, then obviously 
they have to go back to their respective weight classes where they've been very dominant and have, you know, kind of crushed the competition. So they're going to be fighting girls ranked, you know, five or higher. And that's kind of where Alexa's at. So, I mean, we'll see. Ultimately, if Alexa has to fight Valentina, I think it's a tough fight for her. I think there's nothing but tough fights for Alexa stylistically for the, the girls above her. So it's going to be interesting to see how she does there. I think she um, can beat. Valentina's I think she can guy. beat. Chukasian, Santos, Murphy, and draws. I think she could beat those people. I think she's perfectly capable of beating them. This is a chasm. I know Talia put up a good fight against Valentina, but there's a big gap. Like, about two minutes into this fight, I'm like, neither of these women has a prayer. Honestly, mm-hmm. that was my first thought. I'm like, I don't know what's... Like, if you can't... If you can't finish the fight or wrestle on a level of, like, I don't know, like, American... All American type wrestling. I don't know how you beat Valentina Shevchenko at this weight class. You know, I don't know. I think you have to have stop fight stopping power. And neither of these women had that. That was pretty clear. Alexa Grasso gets hit a lot too. Like she getting hit in the face a decent amount there. Uh, Cub Swanson got obliterated at bantamweight. Um, I had a bet on Cub losing in the first round. It almost happened. Because I saw that they're like, Cub, like, this guy throws a lot of knees. It's like, Cub ducks into a lot of knees. And then he ducked into a knee. His leg got carved up, Mike. Just, There's no way. There's no way he doesn't need surgery for that, right? I don't. I mean, do we think he got ligament damage from that? Or just. He got I mean, kicked. the dude, the he, dude crumpled, you know, from leg kicks. And he was in obvious pain. Did you see the look on his face on that first one that dropped him in the first round where his eyes just like, it was like he saw a ghost. Like he was like, I, oh no. <laughs> I, did, I didn't I did see his eyes on that one, but I saw his whole face mm. when the fight got stopped. And that was a man in very obvious pain. And considering these are fighters, the fact that he actually showed how much pain he was in lets you kind of know just exactly how much that hurt. Marcus, uh, before I remember last week, we were all looking at this like, why is this? Why is he doing this? Like, why is he going? Why is he going down? He never mm-hmm. saw as he was too too small for 45. What are we doing here? And then I, the broadcasters, I'm not sure you caught this, said uh, Cub Swanson felt that uh, the cut was too easy to 145 and he needed to feel more passion or more difficulty or some mm-hmm. bullshit like that. And I'm like, I mean, you could have just told me Cub thinks he can get a title shot at 135, which is insane. Mm-hmm. Because 135 is, I think, harder to get a title shot for him than 145. I didn't get it. I did, it didn't go well. Like, I, Marcus, did you think he was even bigger than this dude? Like, did he look bigger? Uh, I you? mean, it didn't, it didn't seem like it. I mean, obviously, he was able to make the weight. So we know it's in his wheelhouse. But yeah, it, it, it definitely kind of rang desperations of a career that maybe hasn't had the trajectory that he wants. You know, I, I think he probably thought he has enough star power. That if he goes down a weight class, he's kind of like the new top dog. He gets a win or two in, based off of just, you know, what he's done during his career and his popularity. He kind of puts himself in the mix fairly quickly. And that might have been the case. But obviously, you know, 135 is a pretty deep talent pool. He would have to fight a real killer next to even get into that kind of ballpark. Um, and obviously not getting through, you know, a tough, you know, somewhat of an up and comer in Martinez. Um, but someone who's very skillful was yeah, a good I, I, stern I came out of this. that he didn't pass. I came, Marcus, I came out of this thing thinking, I need to pay attention to uh, Jonathan Martinez because I like sure. a man throwing leg kicks. 
like that. His, like kicks in general. His leg kicks were fucking hard. Everything, every kick he threw was hard. I was like, like everything he threw was with like, I'm going to fuck you up with this. Like I was, I was pretty impressed. Uh, Marcus, I know God Cup at some point looked like a walking heavy bag, but like for a guy I didn't, I wasn't super familiar with. I was pretty impressed with this guy. What'd you think? Uh, I mean, same. I only saw snippets of this fight, but I mean, yeah, I think Cubs a tough out, you know, especially, you know, stand up has technically been one of the fields that he's been the strongest in. He's also, you know, fairly slick on the ground, but usually in the stand up with his range um, and his ability to dictate the pace, it's usually someplace that he's fairly comfortable in. So to go down a weight division and to run into a wall like Martinez is fairly impressive. But, you know, again, it's another case of this kind of new generation coming up and really kind of making a name for themselves. You know, Cub Swanson may not be quite at the level that he was, you know, four or five years ago where he was somewhat in title contention here and there, uh, but it was still a big scalp. So I think a lot of people probably got to, you know, see Martinez for the first time or really, you know, see where the level is for some of these young guys. So, yeah, very impressive performance. Um. Yeah. Um. Mike, you want to talk about Menafield for a second before we move on and go to talk about 280? Anything you want to mention from Alonzo's work? He has very powerful hands, and Pat Barry's in his corner, which I enjoyed. Yeah, Pat will teach you how to use those hands. So, anyway, another card at the Apex. They're going to be back there in uh, two weeks. For, I mean, I have to watch call Calvin Cater versus Arnold Allen. That is. That is a serious goddamn fight. This is a serious, serious fight for Arnold Allen in front of 12 people. Not 12. But look, what do you guys think? Is it there? 100? Maybe 200 at most, it looks like. Are we counting crew or just fans? Just fans. 100, maybe? Yeah, maybe like 120, max. maybe. Yeah. Anyway. Um, all right. Let's just talk about UFC 280. UFC, it's UFC 280 happening at the pleasure of of a bunch of uh, Middle Eastern oil tycoons um, over at the uh, Etihad Arena in Abu Dhabi. Um, an interesting place. Um, headline by Charles Dobronx Oliveira versus Islam, I legitimately don't know his nickname, Mahachev. Um, co-main evented by Al Jermaine, Aljo the Funk Master, the Human Backpack Sterling, uh, taking on Tyler, Jeffrey, Dillashaw, Killashaw. The Viper, at one point, apparently was his nickname, which I didn't catch that. Um, the Snake in the Grass, TJ Dillashaw, the former champ. Peter Yawn, Sean O'Malley, Benil Dariush, Matuiz Gamrot, Caitlin Jukasian, and a woman I learned a lot about today doing research, Manon Fiorot on the main card. Bilal Muhammad and Sean Brady. Nikita Krylov, Vulcan Ozdemir on the undercard Pack. there. Just this thing is loaded. We got we got Lena Lane. We got former title contender Lena Landsberg, curtain jerkin. Sure, she was a curtain uh, title contender at Featherweight, but a title contender nonetheless. This thing's coming to you on the main card taking place at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. My wonderful, uh, my, my, my wonderful uh, routine I get to do of watching fights while having a big cup of, uh, cup of co- a big pot of coffee and a big omelet. That's what's happening, guys. I'm excited for that. Um, let's just get into this thing. Charles Oliveira, the number one contender for the lightweight championship, because there mm-hmm. is no champion. 
in a situation which has still not been made really clear what happened back in Arizona, but has since come out where everybody's just like no other commission would have let it go down like that, where he would have lost his belt or something. I don't remember what happened at all. Yeah, but what did happen? Why did wasn't he like lose the his belt? belt? The, the weight, the, the scale was off or some shit. Oh, uh, yeah. And like some... everybody was missing and like he just. Anyway, they said they're going to pay him like the champion. He's in the next title fight. We all think he's the champion, honestly, even though he's not. But Charles Oliveira taking on Islam Mahachev. The protege of Khabib Nurmagomedov. We actually got one of the. One of the cousins, I think, on the undercard here too, Abu Bakar. But Islam um, coming into this fight, twenty-two and one. His UFC record, ten and one. A ten and one, I think. Yeah, ten and one. Losing his UFC debut to Adriano Martins by knockout um, in the first round in a minute and forty-six seconds. Man, things have taken a turn since then. Ten straight wins. Uh, one fight of the night in the middle there with Armin Sakarian, a win that looks even more impressive considering how good Armin is. Oliveira, uh, been in the UFC since he was like 12 years old. To be honest, it seems, it feels like that at times. Um, he's on a 11 fight win streak. 11 fight win streak for him with a, with 10 finishes. Crazy. Yeah, the only one he didn't finish was Tony Ferguson, which is a wild thought given how everybody's attitude towards Tony Ferguson is these days. Betting line for this one, uh, very close, very close. Plus, we're gonna hear me say that a lot. Plus one thirty eight on Fanduel for Oliveira, minus one seventy eight for the challenger, or I guess not for the number two contender, Mahachev. One fifty five, plus one fifty five for Oliveira on DraftKings, minus one eighty for Mahachev over there. Mike, why don't you give us an update on where we are standings-wise? Because it's all about the change, possibly, in, the, in, the, in this weekend. I can guarantee you that what I pick is going to be very contingent, considering how close a lot of these fi- fights are. And I can see them going either way. I'm going to be picking against Bobby and a fair yeah, amount of these Mike fights, might so be five games up on me or nine year. games back when this is over. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a big but, you know. If, if that's what happens, if the latter happens, you know what? I can chill for the rest I, of the year. I know I will not win the championship. Dude, I, I'm, 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 I'm going to make you pick so many fight night undercards. If I, if you get a big lead on this, it's not even. A, <laughs> it's all going to be Apex cards. Like That's, that's what I call. That's what I call Tom Foolery. Hey, man. It's, a, champion, it's a champion's advantage. Um, what the fuck? Anyway. anyway. Um, what, what, where are we are with the standings? Um, so... Standings have not changed. Uh, we are still two games behind you, me, uh, Mark, and Chalk at fifty-two and twenty-six, and Bobby is fifty-four and twenty-four. So you guys literally are picking two-thirds of the fight, two out of three fights correctly at fifty-two and twenty-six because well, the yeah. percentages have been good. We're doing well, Rayman over here, knowing the math. Well, it's twenty-six, and then fifty-two is two times twenty-six, so it's two to one. Two thirds right there. Um <clears throat> All right. Um I'm I'm I got Oliveira, man. I, I I decided this three months ago I decided I'm making a bet on Oliveira by finish here. There's something about Oliveira that changed, guys. I, I don't know when it happened. But it like it I know his hands have gotten better, Marcus, but like he also like 
confidence, bro. The confidence in which he fights. He used to get cracked in fights, and also we were like, that was part of the rep, was like he got cracked in a fight and like, oh, it's going bad. Charles is looking for a way out. You know? Mm-hmm. Charles could get, you know, wrestle fucked for four and a half rounds, and I think he's still gonna be going for stuff. It might not work. He's an underdog for a reason. I get it. The other guy doesn't lose. Neither does this guy anymore. Um, he's finishing dudes. He's hitting, he's hurting people. He is. I I am loving this championship reign. Man's got more finishes than anybody in, in the history of the sport in this company. It's him. Got 19 finishes. Yeah, I think he's going to win and I think he's going to get a finish. Also, because I don't know how he wins and gets a decision, given the way Islam fights. You can tell me all you want that just grappling alone isn't going to win a decision. But if Charles spends every round on his back, I don't know. He'd have to be doing a lot of damage to win rounds. I got, I got, I got, I got Charlie Olives here, as they say. I'll call him in the co-main event podcast. Getting it, getting it done here. Um, Marcus, are you with me or are you with Chalk? Um, I'm going to go with you as well. I, I do think I, there's a lot of things to take away from just looking at this fight on paper. Uh, obviously, looking at Charles, uh, the resume is insanely impressive. You know, he's been kind of at the middle to top of both 145 and 55 for an extremely long time. So you look down at the guys that he's fought and they're just kind of, you know, some of the cream of the crop, uh, especially when you look at what he's done in his last five fights. You know, these really were, you know, some of the top, top guys at 155, which is often considered to be, you know, the most talent-rich division. And some of the takeaways here, and like some of these fights have not been, you know, landslides. They have not been particularly easy for Charles but he does find a way to win, right? And like you said, Bobby, he'll get cracked, he'll get hurt, uh, often losing the first round, but still finding a way to win um, later in the fight, usually by submission. You know, he holds the most finishes in the UFC. He holds the most submissions in the UFC. Um, and on the other side, we have Islam, who is a fantastic prospect, protege. Um, but you can look at the caliber of guys he's fought. And, and while he does have some names, they're not at that same level especially you know when it comes to the kind of the cream of the crop of the division now it's easy to look at his skill set and think that most of the guys that even charles fought he would probably have you know a, a large advantage just because of how he fights very similar to habib who caught you know who fought a lot of the same guys and, and was very dominant in his run so it's not out of the realm of possibility to think that islam will be able to replicate that success um but charles never fought uh habib and stylistically they do have some Uh oh, did we lose you, Mark? Did we lose Marcus? Uh, I can't hear him. It looks like he, we just and he was just spitting that fire. All right, well, we'll continue here. Um, sounds like he's taking Oliveira though, as he mentioned at the beginning there, and uh, we'll see if we get Mark back here in a second. Yeah, so um, I guess yeah, what do you got, buddy? I, <laughs> uh, I was l- going to pick Oliveira, but. Considering how close this fight is, we got we got seven fights. I'm not that I'm trying to talk you out of it, but oh no you, no, 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 no you can you might as well pick who you actually think is going to win, like because you got seven other six other fights. Well, I can I've been going back and forth with these two, and the reason why it can go with Oliveira is while he has shown perseverance in that when he's gotten cracked, um, he hasn't wilted as he's had a penchant to do in the past. Let's not forget the fact that he has gotten cracked in a lot of his fights. Um, 
not giving up while admirable doesn't mean that there's there seems to be a hole with with Charles Oliveira um, that he's had even during his championship reign. You think this man's so, going to hit him standing? Of all the people, it's going to be Islam Machev? Look, I just want to say this. This is I'm literally not trying to sway you, but the only reason I'm champion is because you told yourself you had to pick against me and go with Chris Dalkis over. That's literally the only reason I beat you is because Jesus, you still remember that I because you picked against some you picked a fight where I'm like, there's no scenario. Mike really thinks this guy's going to beat him. There's none. Just none. Um, I know you and I know who you think is going <laughs> to win. This is the thing. There's six other fights. Again, you can disagree with me with all six ones. I know you think Oliver is going to win this. Just put you know what? There. You know, know what, Bobby? <laughs> you are you are right. That is very true. <laughs> you pick whoever you want to pick. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Why? What? You know what? It's the only October. You know what? Yeah. So I'm still gonna go with my. Do you know how many fights we're here. gonna pick on that New York card? You and me are going to. We oh, are picking man. like I, I nine can't. of those. <laughs> I cannot wait for that. Yeah. So you know what? We're we're sweeping it. Okay, and we're not sweeping it. Actually, chalk has got Islam. Um, Oh, where is what's going on with Marcus here? Hey, man, you know, sometimes your internet just goes down. And if yeah. I make, oh, oh, there you, he is. There he is. Yeah, I'm back. Voice, I'm sorry. I dropped hard. <laughs> hey, do me a favor, Marcus. Turn your camera on and off because right now it's just frozen on you, your face. <laughs> Any better? No, nah, we can't see you at all. Okay. Nope. Um, whatever. We'll, 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 you look high as, you look high as shit. And that's really, we got a real frozen picture of Mark looking the most stoned (laughs) I've ever seen a human being. Yeah, I don't get to see it. I can't see it, unfortunately. Um, all right. You see us? Yeah, I do. Okay. Well, uh, you, you were making your point that you thought, oh, you're back now. Awesome. You got Charles Oliveira here. I, all I said to Mike was, because Mike was about to pick Islam, I was just like, do you actually think he's going to win? (laughs) And then Mike realized he probably doesn't. So we'll see. We all might be wrong while Islam Mahachev puts a 25-minute beatdown on our guy. Yeah, I'm not going to be surprised if Islam gets this done. I think He's a favorite for a reason. (laughs) Yeah, he he presents a lot of problems. And I think we're going to know fairly early on if he can get Charles down and control him. And Charles doesn't seem like he's going to be able to fish for a lot of submissions. If he doesn't get any catches or even, even threaten then I think we're going to know pretty early on in the fight that Islam is going to be able to control and dominate. But, you know, Charles has been able he's to, never to gone, pull it out of the fire. He's never gotten a main event, has he, Islam? Have they given him one before? I no, don't two, maybe actually. A, maybe a fight pass? Yeah, Dude. it's green. You know what? Um, he's he's. I was about to say he's never gone five rounds, but he's gone four. And, hell, Charles Oliveira's never been to the fourth round because he finishes all these fights. Mm-hmm. We should enjoy having a champion like this. I know he's not the champion anymore, but, like, Really enjoying this run here. Um, all right. All of us taking uh, Charles Oliveira here. Mike and I making that. Mike's not the make the decision. Is he going Oliveira by submission specifically mm. when he bets? Or is he going Oliveira by finish? So Mike's not picking Islam? No, he's taking, he's picking no, Charlie Bobby, also. Bobby talked me out of it by invoking the name Chris Dalkis. Well, I literally said the only reason he's not champion is because he went and picked against, against the guy he actually thought was going to win. So... Here we go. Here's an opportunity to split with me here, though. Um, Aljamain Sterling, my dude, went out there and silenced. I'm going to go with everybody because everybody was talking. And then he went out there, made Peter Pete Jan wear him as a backpack for three rounds, at least there. <laughs> he really did. And he, like, God, I honestly was, I, I came out of that fight being impressed that Peter Jan didn't get choked of having that guy in his back for three rounds. But um, showed why he's the Bantamweight champion. 
Tyler Jeffrey Dillashaw, a man who earned this title shot a year ago? Damn, did he Honest, fight Sanhagen that long ago? Yeah, yeah, sorry, mm-hmm. uh, 15 months ago, he earned this title shot. Holy shit. Um, he hurt, was it his shoulder? No, sorry, knee injury. Mm-hmm. I don't like that at all. Jesus, I don't know. I thought it was a shoulder injury this whole time. Um, t- TJ's getting a little older. You know, he's 36 years old. You get injuries, it happens. Um, did not look like he missed a much of it. I don't think he looked like he missed a beat the time he was gone. Um, he looked very good against Corey, even though I legitimately thought Corey did enough to win. But betting odds for this one, it's another fucking close one. Aljo minus, ooh, I just lost it. Minus 175 on the DraftKings to plus 150 for uh, DJ, uh, TJ Dillashaw. Minus 184 to plus 142 for uh, for, it, for the guys on the FanDuel. Um TJ Dillashaw is running a riding a one fight win streak, and this is his only fight in the last three years, four years, basically three years. When he beat Corey Hansen Sandhagen in that split decision, Aljamain Sterling is running a seven seven fight win seven fight win streak, um, with two finishes. Uh, four decisions and one getting kneed in the face by a Russian who didn't know the rules. Um, yeah, I, I haven't. I, I looked this up. I have not picked against Aljamain Sterling since he fought Henan Barrow in 2017, and I was wrong. Whoa. And I was wrong in that one. By the by, I mean I was also wrong when I picked him to beat Marlon Moraes. I think, but I tend I I like Aljamain Sterling. He's probably I'm probably a little biased when I pick uh, him in fights. But I really do like him. I think he's a very, very talented grappler. His hands aren't... His striking isn't great. I mean, it looked not even, I think, worse against Jan at time because of how good Jan is. But he's really improved in that area. He came in as a pretty one-dimensional guy. I think he'd really turned a corner when he was uh, beating, uh, like, uh, Staman and he putting it on Jimmy Rivera with his hands and Pedro Munoz, too. Really thought... He's really, you know, shown that he's one of the best in the world. TJ's so good. I think TJ's run as champion was some of the most entertaining offense I'd seen as a champion, like, ever. Like, he was landing, like, 40-hit combos on Barrow like this was Marvel v. Capcom. It was wild. I got Aljamain, though. I got Aljamain. I don't necessarily think he can finish TJ, because I think TJ's only losses are the both times he got... Well, he lost two decisions, too, but I guess finishes. He's never been submitted. And both knockouts were pretty flash. And I don't think Aljamain's going to knock him out. Maybe he catches him in something, but I think I think his grappling is going to be... It's weird to say that against a wrestler like TJ. I think his, his grappling is going to be too good, though. He's shown that, you know, in his fights. So I got Aljo. Um, I think I know where Mark is going with this. Marcus, who do you got? <laughs> uh, yeah, I have TJ. I do think this is a very compelling and interesting fight. And it's mostly going to be if, if Aljo can really be able to to utilize that grappling to put TJ in those positions where he really dominates, you know, is he going to be able to get his back and work submissions? And even if he does, you know, can he finish, which I mean, I think TJ is kind of compromised. I think it's been a long time with very few fights. You know, the last time he was somewhat consistent was like 2016. He had three fights. And then from there, it was basically a fight a year. And then obviously after the suspension, it was two years off with one fight with uh, Corey Sanhagen, which was extremely competitive, very close. Um, The only big takeaway on that fight was that, you know, he still had 
he still had it in him. And I think when you factor in that he hurt his knee pretty early on in that fight, it shows a lot of willpower to, you know, push through that and still have a very tough fight against a very capable guy like Corey Sanhagen. So, I mean, for me, it's really going to be if TJ can shut the wrestling down, if he can basically negate Aljamain from utilizing his top game and getting him on the ground and it's stand up, you would think TJ would have, you know, a pretty good advantage there. It's, it's somewhere that he's really grown in strides as being able to not only just dictate the pacing, uh, but utilizing switch stances and utilizing when he does switch stances, powerful uh, kicks to the head and, uh, you know, lead left hooks and, uh, you know, uh, rear hand left hooks and just using that kind of confusion to switch chance, uh, stances, threaten with different weapons on the stand up. Potentially could be more than Aljamain could handle. I wouldn't be surprised if this is, you know, a highly contested fight. Uh, it goes to decision and it's a split one way or the other uh, because of just how these guys fight. And, you know, I don't think Aljamain gets stopped too often. I would be kind of surprised if this fight does finish in a finish and doesn't go to the de uh, decision. Um, but again, you know, if Aljamain gets his back, we haven't really seen anybody be able to ground TJ. So we don't really know like what his, you know, jujitsu game is like, what his defense is like, because he really hasn't had to utilize it. So I'm not going to be shocked if this guy gets his back and is able to finish just because of the unfamiliarity that TJ has in some of these positions that maybe he's not training that often. Cause even in interviews, you can still hear him say like, I'm just a better wrestler. You know, he, he truly believes that, what he's accomplished earlier in his life with his wrestling. Has anybody, Marcus, apologize. I don't think anybody's ever been like, I'm going to go fucking out grapple TJ, TJ Dillashaw. Like, no, I don't remember that even happening. No one ever having that idea. Like, yeah. I try to think like, back when he was like, these fights he lost to like a Sun Sao and so like, that's not how you lose to a Sun Sao. You know, like, I know, you know how you lose it. I don't think he's fought one guy to be like, yeah, I'm about to take this motherfucker's back. That's what's going to happen mean, here. We potentially you know? could have seen how wrestling would go with Henry, but he got knocked out very quickly, right? That could have been a good barometer to see if there is someone better at wrestling and they're able to take him or down. Or if, you know, if they ever wanted there. to pay DJ when they were going to win DJ, when they, TJ were both champions, that was another one. That would have been another one too, yeah. No one's ever really th thought to be like, you put a guy like him? Like yeah. on a, in like uncomfortable so, grappling position, I think you might be Sterling's right. Sterling's <laughs> going to wait for those moments where TJ overexerts himself. He throws a big switch kick that you know he misses, and he's off balance. He's if he can wait for those moments and capitalize on them, then he potentially could get you know the back from a clinch and then jump onto the backpack. I think that's a a very realistic scenario. Is that he he waits for TJ to overexert himself with a big power shot and is able to get the back clinch that goes into the backpack, and then potentially maybe gets a finish from there. Um, otherwise, you know, stand-up could be in DJ, TJ's favor. But it, it's an interesting fight. It's very compelling. I think it's extremely close, um, but I'm going to pick TJ. This is like a part of me that's just like, I'm not sure TJ's better standing than Peter Yawn. Like, if, like, I was like, I mean, I know they're not the same fighter, and this is a stupid MMA math thing, but I'm just, part of me is like, they figured that dude out. You know, it's not fighting the same way either, though. As I mean, it's probably a stupid comparison. Mike, uh, what do you got here, buddy? Yeah, so to that point, TJ is a very different type of striker than than Peter Yan is, which will present very different problems for Al Jermaine. Um, you guys have hit pretty much all of the points. Um, I think Dillashaw is much better on the feet, even though Sterling is much improved in his uh, stand-up. And I think that he should be able to keep the fight standing with his uh, wrestling defense. So 
don't think that Sterling will be knocked out. I think this will be a five-round decision. Dillashaw in his fight against Sanhagen, we were able to see how he would comport himself in a five-round fight sans EPO. So I'm probably. comfortable. Hopefully. I said so, probably. Uh, I gave him the benefit <laughs> of the doubt. Probably. <laughs> you went hopefully. You really reared it, reeled it back in. <laughs> so he shouldn't have any issues. Um you know, going for five rounds. Um, yeah, I think just this fight going to decision. If we had to, if, if, if I think I'm more confident that this fight goes to decision than I am about anybody without a specific person winning. If I'm being, that's what I think is going to happen here. I think Mark, you mentioned it too. You think decision is a likely thing here with these mm -hmm. guys. Mike, what do you think? A decision probably. I think decision. Yeah, I think so too. Um, all right. Uh, a little bit, we're going to go a little bit faster. Here probably Peter Yon, Sean O'Malley. I'm going to give this kid a lot of credit if he pulls this off. Like, if if he goes out there after not beating, uh, who did he just fight? Munoz? Uh, Pedro, yeah. Yeah, he didn't win that. He, wouldn't, he didn't lose. The fight went, uh, he was no contest, right? But uh, two mm -hmm. of the three judges had him lose the only round that they scored. So, here you go. Uh, this, was a, this is a wild thing Sean O'Malley's doing. Um... He's 15 and one, parentheses one. Uh, his loss was Marlon Vera beating his ass. Um, by the way, they said the winner of that last fight's getting a title shot. And I think there's no scenario where Aljamain Sterling is fighting Peter Yan a third time without Cheeto Vera breaking into the UFC offices and threatening to kill the matchmakers. Just, that's just blanket statement I'm putting out there. Just the way that man's attitude is, he won't handle it well. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, Peter Yan's the man, and he's fighting Sean O'Malley. Peter Yan, uh, his record in the UFC is eight wins and Aljamain Sterling. Okay? One of those was a close. He lost. That was a close fight. It was a split in the last one. I thought he pretty clearly lost the first three rounds, but he still only lost three rounds. The one before that, he was about to win that. He was about to uh, retain his title. Need a man on the ground in the face. Knocked him out. Can't do that. Um... Look, Peter Yawn's barely showed, like, the, the the holes he's shown, I don't even know what it is. Like, what? A lack of fight intelligence for a brief moment. Also, his back defense, his grappling could be better. I don't think Sean O'Malley has shown any ability to do those things better than him. Nope. Standing with Peter Yawn has proven to be detrimental to every human being's health that has stood with Peter Yawn. Um, I think he's incredible. Quite frankly, I think he probably beats every other guy in this weight class. I don't pick, I will not pick Against, I will not pick another person against Peter Yon in this weight class, the way it's currently constricted. He's a minus 285 favorite to O'Malley's. Sorry, minus 275 to O'Malley's plus 230. Should be higher. Minus 295 to plus 220 on the FanDuel. Look, O'Malley has looked good, but he look who he's looked good against. The ones you recognize, he didn't look so good. Right? Like, again, if he pulls it off, man, fucking awesome. I I can't be the one to pick him here though. I got I got I got uh, Peter Yawn. If O'Malley makes it all three rounds, I will I will be impressed. Honestly, if he doesn't get knocked out by this man in three rounds, Mark, who do you got? Actually, you know what? I went. To, let's go to Mike this time. Mike, who do you got? I mean, this is going to be a very easy one. There's no way any of us are picking Sean O'Malley, right? I mean, I don't. When was the last time someone this below in the rankings fought someone who's like the number one, number two contender? They and tried it to do it last pay-per-view and then it didn't happen because but, when I miss weight by 10 pounds. But it wasn't 
wait, how 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 big was that discrepancy? In well, Nate game? wasn't ranked, and Camzat was number two. <laughs> okay, all right. So you also didn't let me finish. Uh, I was going to say, when was the last time we've seen a fight actually booked like this? months in advance not like a last minute thing where it's like we're just scrambling to try and get a fight going i guess nate and comes out but you know yeah no, but you know, know what I they're mean, trying to do that they're, they're, they're trying to fuck over nate come on well, they've announced both those fights back to back days they announced the nate cams out fight then the next day they announced this one i'm like why are we just killing well, these motherfuckers nate comes <laughs> out makes sense because Dana White wanted to see Nate Diaz just nah. get sacrificed yeah. to the MMA <laughs> gods before he he left. To well, is that this is Mike? Do you think they are bringing the fucking uh, the fight uh, the, the guys who are matchmakers are like fuck it? Go ahead. That's kid. <laughs> that's why this doesn't make sense to me. Um, Sean O'Malley is one of their rising stars, or could be one of their rising stars, and they've been bringing them up slowly, slowly but surely outside of the Cheeto Vera fight, which he <clears throat> lost. And this is such a big step up. I just don't understand it. Hats off to him if he actually wins the fight. But I don't see how he does that. Marcus, are you going to be the one to talk some sense into us? Or at least talk to us maybe this is closer than we think it is? Uh, no, I mean, I think it's it's fairly safe to say this is, you know, a big bite for Sean O'Malley. I, I think how they match up. Sean has some advantages with reach. I think he's, you know, a little craftier with his footwork. Uh, but Peter is just very dominant. He puts a lot of pressure on people. Yeah. And more so than anything else, we just haven't seen Sean fight these higher echelon guys and really show to be at that level, right? I, I, as far as I'm concerned, he's kind of had two high-level fights, one with Marlon, which, you know, he got injured and lost. So, I mean, there's a little caveat there. Um, and then the uh, menu, uh, uh, Pedro Munoz fight, we didn't get to see a lot. There wasn't a ton that happened in the first round. And then there was the eye poke and it was a no contest. So we haven't really been able to super really accurately gauge where he's at. And this is just a huge bite for him. So, and I, I think stylistically it's a difficult fight. So I definitely think, you know, the smart money's on Peter Yan. If Sean pulls it off, it's a huge, I mean, I think that's a huge upset. It's going to massively raise his stock. I mean, the guy already has a lot of confidence. He, and, and that's one thing, you know, I think mentally he's very strong. He believes he, not only does he deserve this type of fight, that this is a fight that he can win, that he's going to be able to really shock the world. And, you know, confidence is a big factor in these games. I just, I think Peter Yawn's also going to think that. I think Peter Yawn's going to look at this guy and be like, I fought, you know, a lot of these top guys and has been very successful. And this guy does not present the type of problems that I've struggled with, you know, with the grappling. So I think the smart money's on Peter. I think it's going to be a fairly dominant performance. But, you know, if Sugar... Sean, you know, shocks the world. That would be, you know, qu quite the feather in his cap. And I think at that point, I would want to see him in title contention because I think Peter Yan is right there. So. Oh, he, he's getting a title shot. If you beat Peter Yan, you get a title shot. That is, that sure. is the rule, yeah. I think. Like, you got to, like, it is like Bobby Knuckles at 185. If you find a way to get through it, you get a title shot. Um, Benil Darius versus Mateus Gamrot. Um, I, do, I don't like this fight at all for Benil. I think this is a mistake. This is a this is a bad idea. Bad, bad idea. Cause he has got nothing to gain here. Benil Dariush is ranked number six. Gamrod is ranked number nine. Benil is right there. Benil is one win away, and this is not the win. And I don't think he's gonna win. I don't like picking against the only Iranian fighter on the UFC roster, I think, right now, that I can think of at least. 
um, especially, you know, during we're trying to start a goddamn revolution. I know those two things aren't tied necessarily, but shout out to everybody out there. Honestly, necessarily, fucking, it's awesome. Um, what's happening over there? Fight strong. Um, I hate, but back to the point. I hate this fight for him. I and he also he's sitting there. He was shocked to find out that um, Volkanovski is the backup fighter for the main event. Uh, Benil, I'm like wondering, Benil, you didn't even get that in writing when you accepted this fight with a number of guy ranked three spots below you to go fly across the world to do this? Like, I mean, I'll just be clear about it. I got, I got Gamrot. Um, Gamrot is a, where is the betting line? How did I lose the fucking betting line? It was just here. Uh, was, who, on FanDuel, Gamrot is a minus 215 favorite. Yeah, so Darvish is plus 164. Yeah, you go fight one of these young. I know he's not that young. He's 31 years old. And then minus 195 plus 165 on DraftKings. I why do, I don't know what he's doing. I, I You know what? If he, he's confident in himself, but he's one win away from a title shot and he is playing with fire. But I got, I got Gamrot, man. I, I came out of his last fight. With Sukarian. I I didn't even think he won the last fight with Sukarian, but I was so impressed with both him and Sukarian when it was over. And I just thought, man, this weight class just produces endless talent. Just endless fucking talent. But I got Gamrock getting it done here, man. I just just I got a feeling that Benil just stepped in some shit. Mark, who do you got? Yeah, I'm going with Gamrot too. Uh it is one of these things where it is this new generation of fighters coming up that looks faster, more more well rounded. Uh, just really kind of elevating this already talent-rich pool at 155. Uh, Darush, I mean, he has a good you know set of skills. He's got pretty heavy hands. He's a good wrestler. Uh, I mean, these are things that Gamrot I think is also pretty good at as well. You know, Gamrot stand-up's pretty decent. He's also a really you know talented wrestler, and I think the wrestling might be something where Gamrot might be potentially stronger just given what we saw in that Armin fight, because that fight was all over the place. It's just, it, it's really, it looks to me almost like a generational type of fight, even though I don't think Darush is particularly that old. Yeah, he's 33 and Gamrock, oh, what? He's only 33 30 30 years apart. You know, no. Darush yeah. also looks old as dirt. That's the problem. Maybe he has got the gray it. hair. It, it might just be Gamrot is like new blood as far as I'm concerned, um, not having seen a ton of his fights, but I've been very impressed with what I saw um, in him. And, and Darush, I always thought was, a decent fighter, but he never, I have been kind of surprised at his, his rise recently, you know, and all credit goes to him. Uh, and he his suffers from the case of, of the Rafael dos Anjos where he's been around too long as a middle to um, like, a, like a B plus, like a B plus fighter for too long. And now I'm supposed to believe he's an A fighter. You know, it's one of those kind of like that. Yeah. He's on a seven, he's on a seven fight win streak. Right. Yep. And they're not, you know, they're not slouches, but they're also not cream of the crop. And it's not like Gamrot has been fighting, the best of the best, you know, his last fight, I think was probably the highest skill level, you know, he's got Jeremy Stevens in there, but these guys aren't really, you know, so much so that I can just go basically off resume. I'm really just going off of kind of what we saw in that last fight, which I too was very impressed. So yeah, I'm giving, I'm going for Gamera. Mike, this is the opportunity this, here, buddy. This is where your boy tries to make some hay. You guys have no faith in Dariush, the man who's of a different generation than Gamra, even though he's only two years older than yeah, him. In that Apparently, Gamra is the new breed. Gamra thought he was one twenty-five. They could have got a they could have got a high favorite. school together. So you got Dariush? Yeah, I've I've got Dariush. He won't be losing his his title shot aspirations. All right. 
Like he I won't will, even move up in the rankings with this fight. That was the part that pissed me off. You're not even gonna move up. Like there's no one you're gonna pass beating Gamrot right look, now. Look, Bobby, at the at the next Iranian uh, meeting, right? Yo, yeah, we gonna we're gonna talk about you, bro. You know, you're not supporting your your your, your countrymen. I mean, I'll take I'll take notes. Don't worry about it. That's it is what it is. Um, and yeah, so Mike and Chalk are on the side of Dariush. Tend to pick Dariush too, because I'm biased normally. But, um, oh no, wait, Chalk is with Gamrod. Oh, Gamrod, you're right. That's true. Uh, Caitlin Chukasian, Manin Fiorot. I wasn't sure at first if we're gonna pick this one because I wasn't super familiar with uh, with Manin. I'm sure I'm saying her name wrong too. But she's showing up in his win fights, man. Um, she's nine and one. She's at fly flyweight, a weight class that is desperate for people quite frankly, to just show up and be able to do anything. Um, I think she's ranked. I'm trying to see if she is. She's number seven. We got number seven versus number one. Uh, Chukasian is just the, can you beat Caitlin? All right, I'll give you a title shot. There's how you go. Here you go, Marcus. This is how we get uh, Grasso another fight. We give this girl a title mm -hmm. shot if she wins. Um, Yo, I swear I thought Chukagan fought, like, I swear Chukagan fought uh Shevchenko like last fight and it's been like two years. Yeah, Shevchenko's beaten like five people since then. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh yeah, then she got a revenge on the sister. I I'm a, you guys know how much I love me some Caitlin Jukasian, mostly also her nickname Blonde Fighter. Enjoy that all the time. Um I'm gonna take the girl who keeps winning fights though. Uh Miss Fiorot. I got her getting the dub here. Um, she is a you say that Jukagan's won four in a row. Yeah. Yeah, Fiorot is minus 215 to Chukasian's plus 185 on DraftKings, minus 215 to plus 164 on FanDuel. It just appears like FanDuel pays you less money. Just reading the MMA lines. For MMA, I think, unless Best Fight Odds isn't updating fast, Mike, I think you got to look at DraftKings. You just make more money. DraftKings has better prop bets as well yeah. for uh, MMA. Um, all right. Um, Marcus, are you going to go with the, the the person we learned about today, or are we going to Caitlin Chukasian? I'm <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't really have much of a horse in this one. Um, and I'd probably say I probably don't rate personally Caitlin very high uh, on my like personal list. But and mostly and I, I, I'm mostly just counter pick, picking you on this one, Bob. Um, I don't have any expertise. I mean, it looks like Caitlin wins most of her fights, the vast majority by decision. Um, I have a feeling this fight's going to decision. And with that experience, maybe that helps her out. I mean, she's had a wealth more of UFC fights. Um, Manon is fairly fresh in the, uh, you know, in the uh, organization. This is going to be her fifth fight. Um, so I'll give her that edge over it. But like personally, I'm not super jazzed or super excited about this fight. I, from what I've seen of Caitlin, I don't think she puts on the most, you know, exciting I, fight. I, I'm, she's very, <laughs> I'm a little surprised why this is on. I'm a little wondering why, to be honest. But... I don't know. Maybe they want to make sure they at least have, which I mean, if the UFC cares enough to do this to make sure they have at least one women's fight on the main card. Actually, I'm impressed if they care enough to do something like that. But uh, I, that would be surprising that they there's only two female fights in this whole card. Yeah. So that's what I'm going with, Caitlin. Uh, Mike. We're not here for exciting fights, Mark. We're here to rack up these W's against Bobby. All right. So we're going with Chikagan and her born ass style. Okay. 
I'm gonna have to like pay attention halfway through watching this card to figure out the math of like who do I what where am I with these with these bets? Like there's too many moving parts. Hey guys, remember the it's some amazing parlay that came and went real quickly. Um, well, one we haven't had like when was the last time we had picks where we had like four or five picks to go. Like we've had a lot of yeah. cards. It's just like one or two. Fights. This might actually be it. Do we have anything that we're sweeping right now so far besides the main event? Uh, yeah, Peter Jan, Charles Oliveira. So far, that's it. Okay, I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna I'm gonna open a thing just to get an idea of what a parlay that would pay out as ballpark. So at the end, we could say if you want to do the it's an amazing parlay, five units each. You think it's good? We're gonna bet a hundred bucks. Uh, we're gonna bet a hundred bucks. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm currently about to lose a unit right here on the Chargers not being able to beat fucking Denver. So let's uh, let's let's you know bump the brakes here a bit. Um, all right, we're going to the undercard. Um, this is another fight where I don't. I don't like the guy, the, the veteran taking this fight. Um, I am a big Sean Brady fan. Big, big, big Sean Brady fan. And I think we're about to have Bilal, see Bilal Muhammad get that ass whooped. Um, Bilal Muhammad coming to this one. Um, he ain't lost in a while. Honestly. He's unbeaten in eight fights. In the middle, he's got an he's got a accidental eye poke. A lot of decisions, got a submission over Takashi Sato over there. Sean Brady is one of these young dudes, man. This is the other one. 15-0. The way he kicked Kiesa's ass and the way he just handled Jake Matthews, these fights, like, I know these aren't the, I know Jake Matthews isn't the biggest name. Uh, Kiesa doesn't just get beat up that easily, man. Like, um, that was that was a big one. Um, I, I'm, I'm on the Sean Brady train. I'm just going to say it. I'm on the Sean Brady train. He is coming into this one as a slight favorite, minus 145. DraftKings minus 148 FanDuel to plus 125, plus 116, respectively for Bilal. I, I know I'm going to pick, I'm picking against a Middle Eastern guy fighting in the Middle East. But I, I, yeah, I got Sean Brady, man. I got, I, I just think this is. Both the I'm, 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 I got a theme between Brady between Brady and uh, Camrot that I'm running with guys. So I'm, I'm I'm taking Brady here. Marcus, who do you got? Yeah, I'm siding with Brady as well. Um, I, I do think you know Bilal has you know asserted himself fairly well. You know, besides the the Edwards eye poke, which I think I think he was kind of losing that fight from what I vaguely oh, yeah. remember. No, he was he was getting tuned up. <laughs> yeah. Um, Outside of that, you know, it had been, you know, Jeff Neal back in 2019. So he's had a good stretch here. Um, again, a lot of experience, uh, a little bit older. But, yeah, I'm kind of going with the young blood um, starting to take some of the old guard away um, at this point. I think Muhammad's a live dog in this one. I think the the line kind of shows that this is going to be a, a fairly competitive uh, and I think compelling fight. Uh, I think both of them are going to stand up and I think it, they're both going to hit some walls here and it's really going to take some grit and determination to get the W, but I do think, uh, Sean's going to be able to pull it off. Yeah. Mike, what do you think here, man? This is close. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to be going with Sean Brady as well. Um, honestly, I've just, you know, even though below Muhammad's been on a pretty long, pretty long, uh, win streak, um, I don't know. I just thought his fighting has been pretty uninspired. So, by the way, this line opened at my he was uh, Bilal opened as a minus two twenty five favorite, and immediately all the money came in on Sean Brady and swung it the other way. 
Like immediately. You can look at the like within days. It just flipped. So, Man, I wonder I wonder how they got it so wrong. Uh but yeah, I've got Sean Brady in this one. I was I trying to come up hype. with a Brady bunch joke. Think of anything. There's a lot of hype behind this kid. Uh, behind Sean Brady. People think real highly of him. He's uh He's in that crew of welterweights, those young cats, man. Well, Chimeyev may not be in that dude in the group anymore, but, you know, with Shaftcat. I mean, Jake, Jake, Ma- Jake Matthews may not have turned out to be the, uh, the fighter we thought he was going to be, but that's still a very solid win to be able to submit Jake Matthews and Michael Chiesa. We all know about him. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, the last one we are picking. Bolkan Ozdemir. Nikita Krylov. Uh, Nikita Krylov has uh, bounced back from losing to Paul Craig and Ankala and Magomed Ankalaev to just smoke Alexander Gustafson. It was maybe the most confident I went into a I'm picking this guy by first round win bet I've ever made in my life. Where I just was like, okay, Gustafson's 150 years old. This isn't going to go well. Uh, Ozdemir uh, beat Paul Craig. Back in uh, back in July. Before that, he lost to Ankalaev. These two guys cannot beat Ankalaev. That much is clear. And the current champ, Yuri Prohaska. Man, Yuri won the belt, it feels like, so long ago. Like, maybe it hasn't been, but like, I don't know. We haven't heard from the man. Feels like. And he's going to fight Glover again. Um, betting odds for this one. Uh, Krylov is coming into this one as a slight favorite. Minus 165 on the DraftKings. Minus 178 on the FanDuel. Ozdemir, plus 140 on the uh, DraftKings. My neighbor tries to play the fucking drums on the fucking floor. Um, And then we got, uh, yeah, Ozdemir, plus 138 on FanDuel. Um, I have not picked Ozdemir to win any fight he's ever been in, I think. I legitimately think this. I don't know why that is. I don't particularly dislike him, but just looking at these ones, I'm like, I definitely pick Ilar Tifi to beat him even. Like, that definitely happened. I know myself. Um, I'm, this isn't the one where I'm picking him either. I think Nikita Krylov, I know he's only he's lost two of three, but I think he's looked good. I, I like, think in general he's looked pretty good recently in his fights. So I, I got Nikita Krylov. I don't think highly of Vulcan Ozdemir's style. I feel a lot of times if he doesn't get you quickly, there's, there's no, he's not winning. Just... That could be a wrong impression I have of him, but that is generally what I think about the way he fights. So I got I got Nikita Krylov. Mike, who do you got? What type of drums are we talking about here? Like Congos? I don't drum, know. Motherfucker's just stomping around strong. or something like he's fucking trying to kill a bunch of Koopas or something. I think you mean Goombas, but anyway. Maybe um, maybe there's more. Maybe there's a bunch of Koopas too. You don't even got to jump with that motherfucker too. There's... There's eight Koopas. There's King Koopa and his seven kids. So okay. I don't know Good. if it's one of those. Well, well, hang on for stuff we like to see if Mike can break down how much he dislikes or likes Chris Pratt as Mario in the trailer. But yeah, who do you got in this one, Mike? Don't get me started on that, man. Uh, I'm I'm going to give that one a shot. Anyway, um, I'm not going to try and stray away from this one. I'm just going with Krylov. Mark. Yeah, I'll go with Krylov too. Um, physically, he looks like he's really made some, you know, adjustments to his training. I think mentally, that's coming over too. Um, Ozdemir last win against Paul Craig, I think, was tactically he just made the right choices, just completely avoiding the uh, ground game uh, whatsoever, and just landing enough shots in those rounds to to get the nod. 
Um, I think Krylov's obviously going to put a little more pressure on him, and I think he'll get the win. But I think it's it, it's a close fight. I think it'll it'll be fairly competitive. Maybe not the most entertaining in the world, but they're kind of in similar spots in their career where they once were or at times seemed to be potential for title contention. Obviously, um, Ozdemir did fight for a title, but they never really seemed to kind of get that confidence where it seems like, yeah, these are really the, the upper echelon guys. So I think they're kind of in the same spot in their career. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. But I got Krylov. Um, all right, that's all we're picking on this card. I'm going to pick up the pace here a little bit. We went long there. But uh, worth mentioning, we got uh, Abu Bakar Nurmagomedov on the undercard here. Um, he is not, is he not related? I guess he's not, possibly not related. Maybe, maybe it's like Smith out there in Kazakhstan. Yeah. Uh, come, came over from the PFL. He's one and one in the UFC. He's on the undercard here. Magomed. Um, look, if you're from that part of the world, even a little anyway, you're on this undercard. So and you're fighting a guy without a Wikipedia page. So it seems like we're really gimmicking a lot of these fights here. I might just parlay all the guys with Wikipedia pages on this undercard, Mike. That's what I'm thinking. It's going to be called the Wikipedia parlay. Um, all right. Before we do stuff we like, uh, we got a fight. We're going to add to our, uh, you know, mm-hmm. what has been called fights. We like, it's not a good name, but a fights that we recommend, uh, if nothing else would be a way to go here. Marcus, what are we adding to the party this week? Uh, yeah, I was going to add uh, Heath Herring versus Tom Erickson. Uh, this was at Pride 11, uh, Halloween of 2000. Uh, this was really Heath Herring's uh, coming out party in Pride. He had had a fight before against Willie Peters, who was kind of known in the European circuit, but not a very big name. Uh, Tom Erickson was the fucking monster of heavyweight division, um, known for being a like maybe what I read about him was basically the second best freestyle U.S. wrestler. I don't know who the other guy was, but basically there was he, he was he was D.C. to a John Jones in the free wrestling world in the late 80s, early 90s that he just wasn't better than this one guy. But uh, was a guy that was absolutely feared. Uh, he. Obviously, he was huge. I think he was uh, 6'4". The wrestling was extremely dominant. And I think before this fight, he had knocked out Kevin Randleman um, of the Hammer Hammer House, who was also kind of widely contested to be one of these big rising stars. So people did not want to fight Tom Erickson. He was a bad stylistic matchup for most people, um, including Heath Herring. Um, Heath used to be a wrestler. Um, Around this time, he had gone to Holland. He started working with uh, Golden Glory. sharpening his kickboxing skills and this is kind of where he got this kind of super power-up move uh he did it against tom erickson he would later do it against mark kerr where he would get taken down kind of controlled um and would just kind of like almost like goku and dragon balls he start powering up on the bottom and then once the referee said all right you know we're gonna stand it back up dude jumps up in the air he's fucking amped he went super sane on this motherfucker uh, he threw a big high flying kick that ended up uh, catching a knee to Tom Erickson, rattled him. Tom tried to, you know, push him against the ropes, try to bum rush him. Uh, Heath got his back, choked him out. It was probably one of the biggest upsets early on in Pride history. Um, and it was one of those things, you know, if you didn't know who Tom Erickson was, you know, and how feared he was, and people were fucking dodging him, you know, he was just that type of guy that people did not want to fight because it was just, it was not a favorable matchup for you. Um, he shattered that, you know, and this was really his rise to 
getting ultimately the the first title fight for the heavyweight division against Big Nog. Um, you know, they would meet, you know, about four fights later. But uh, this was kind of where Heath became a big star in Japan. Yeah, you were a big Heath guy when we were kids. I remember you mentioning how much you liked Heath. Yeah, he was. I mean, and, and it was this and the curve fight that just, you know, stuff of legend, stuff of that you'd only write about where like he's getting kind of dominated on the ground. You know, he's he's surviving, but he's not thriving. Right. But he's so when when the ref stands him up like it the flip just switched he's so fucking amped he's like i know i'm gonna knock your fucking I, head I, off and he did it twice it was i just always thought didn't, i didn't like i kind of bummed me out always that Heath became for a lot of mma fans just known as the guy who lost to brock lesnar because he got he's always sure. in the, he was he was in the highlight reel brock hits him with the right straight right hand and Heath goes ass over tea mm-hmm. kettle all the way across the fucking octagon then you see brock lesnar moving you you finally learn about why they call say this man moves like a welterweight brock lesnar flies across the cage on top of him um yeah, it kind of I mean, Heath was always a really good fighter. And like I think people like would say stuff like he'll he was retired by Brock Lesnar. Not really it. Heath went and became like a poker player, made a bunch of money doing that, I guess. Yeah, by yeah. the time he made it into the UFC, his, his best years were kind of behind him. He wasn't as nearly as dynamic. Um, you know, basically his kick. I mean, because I mean that was really the thing about Heath, is that like he really upped his game. He used to just be kind of a big heavyweight guy that was he was a good wrestler. He'd ground and pound people, but you know, once he went to Golden Glory and really got those kickboxing skills, he really elevated his game. Is Golden Glory still going? I, I don't think so. Not that I'm aware. I think a lot of those guys have left. I don't know if the school's still I mean it, it could be, but I, I don't I mean, really I know care like about they all went to like a lot of guys end up like my Mike's gym is the one that they all a lot of them Well Mike's gym was a big rival. Golden yeah. Glory and Mike Jim were kind of the two competing big schools in Holland. But yeah, I mean, and that is the thing. I think most people, yeah, didn't really get to see the best of Heath because when he, you know, when the UFC bought, I mean, at this point, he was already, Pride was already done. He fought in Heroes. He fought in K1. Uh, and then when he ultimately did, you know, get into the UFC, he just lost a lot of those skill sets. He wasn't nearly as dynamic on his feet. He was more of a boxer. His le- his wrestling was okay to get him by, but it wasn't nearly as strong as it used to be. Uh, and I mean, one of the, the biggest tools he had, if you look at a lot of his pride fights, like getting guys to the ground and kneeing them using the, the ability and the rule set to knee guys on the ground was a huge vantage point for him. He would love to get inside mount and throw knees to the head into the body. Um, it was a big part of his game. And once that was kind of taken away and the age, it just kind of neutered him a little bit, but you know, during this run and it was really the Tom Erickson fight really elevated him. Um, he was one of the top guys, you know, never the top guy. He never was really able to get that title or really hold that crown, but he was always an entertaining fighter. Um, and this is kind of the, the, the fight that put him on the map. And this is from pride 11 battle of the rising sun an eight fight card mm-hmm. with seven, fi- with, well, seven finishes in a no contest, but the no contest is Gilbert. Ivel kicking Vanderlei right in the dick. 21 seconds into a fight. It, it, honestly, in the echelon of pride events, this is not a particularly great one. Um, the, I mean that, that in particular, that fight really sucks because on paper, it should have been one of the best fights of the year. Well, was um, it blatant I mean, or was it, he went inside low kick and hit him in the dick. Yeah, it was Gilbert Ivel, man. It's Gilbert yeah, no, Ivel. You gotta it, ask. It, it, it wasn't blatant. It was just one of those unfortunate things. But it was one of these things, too, where people really hadn't gotten to see Gilbert Ivel and what he was capable of. I think the fight before this, he knocked out Gary Goodridge, and that was a, one one head kick, one knockout, 28 seconds. That was really impressive. But when you watch Gilbert Ivel, Gilbert Ivel in like too hot to handle, and those like dude was a fucking madman. It was flying knees and jumping punches and just like the most exciting fighter. And then he never really got to show that stuff later on in his career. Really, he didn't have a lot of those matchups where he was either getting dominated or shit like this would happen where he 
you know, kicks the guy in the balls or against Don Fry, he's grabbing the ropes, ropes and eye raking him and all this other shit. But we'll get into Ivo later for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's our uh, pick for uh, fights we like this week. We're going to try to go super long this week already. Um, all right. Uh, is it time for Stuff We Luck, boys? Oh, there's my, sorry. There's a news article Mike sent me, right? UFC fighters yeah. can't bet on themselves? How shitty is that, right? What? Like, how shitty is that? Well, I mean, you and me watched the team sports where they would um, absolutely ban you for doing that. Like, there's that too. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. I, 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 Marcus, I think you had a, it makes sense, I guess. You don't want people to tank a fight they're involved in, or you don't want to use inside knowledge and stuff, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, if it was only like, oh, you can only bet on yourself, I'm like, it's like, sure, I guess, why not? Um, otherwise, you know, you don't really know what some of these guys know. They're, they're in the, the training room. They might know this guy's hurt and he's going into a fight. So maybe he puts money down. I mean, whatever. At the end of the day, like, I'm not super upset or disappointed in it one way or the other. Um, there's a lot of shit you can't do when you're a professional athlete when it comes to that sport, whether it's the supplements you take. And stuff like that. So there's certain rules that they have to abide by. And this is another one. So, I mean, it sucks if there was fighters out there that were generating decent income, just betting on the fights outside of it because, you know, they're a student of the game and they watch a lot of fights. They have good insider knowledge. They, you know, have an eye for these things. And this was a way to potentially get some more money on the side. I think that that kind of sucks. But I mean, whatever. When they're out of the UFC, they can start betting again or something. But you know, it's yeah, unfortunate. I think, all, but I, think, I, don't. I, think I think they're all just still going to keep doing it. Just having. Yeah, I mean, you. how are you really going to stop? Them? I've like, seen what? it. We, I've, we saw. We like. We fighters have openly talked about it. I don't know. I saw Judo Gene LaBelle go lay like fifteen grand on Ronda. Right, I mean, he wasn't a fighter though. He was no, just... but he was part of the coaches. You can't supposed to do. Apparently, the coaches aren't allowed to do it either. Yeah, like, so, like, but yeah, yeah, we did see that. He, I mean, he rolled the dude out used to like, money. yeah. I mean, I remember Josh Barnett just openly talking about like him betting on himself because he thought like he was definitely going to be. I think it was in Rico or some. It was one of the fights Barnett was in where he's like, I knew I was going to win this. I was like, it was mm-hmm. free money, and I was like, oh okay, uh, you bet your paycheck, sure. All right, stuff we like. Uh, by the way, the It's I'm Amazing Parlay is Nikita Krylov, Peter Yan, Sean Brady, Charles Oliveira. Paying out at plus 780, roughly. Almost yeah. 8 to 1 on your yeah. money. So, Five units? that's how, by the way, how close this fucking card is, where four fights like that, you know, gets you to plus 800. You know what I mean? So, Mike, you be betting the It's I'm Amazing Parlay? I will be petting the It's an Amazing Parlay. You know what? I am, as I told you guys before the podcast, I, I am feeling real frisky. I think Syracuse will be beating Clemson by the time this card starts. So, uh, you know, I don't know how much you guys want to put in, but I'm putting five units in. Um, you know, I mean, you let I'm me about... know how much I want to put in. Yeah, five units. That's what I'm thinking, too. Maybe five units. I mean, five, wait, five units. You want about a hundred bucks on the It's an Amazing Parlay? Yeah, well, yeah. Well, well, did, did you not understand what a unit is? I didn't. <laughs> I, I thought you said <laughs> like, five dollars. That's said, usually what I we did. Five bucks. I was like, yeah, I got five bucks on this thing. Mark, Mark <laughs> you can you can lay five. Don't worry about it. I just like losing money. I mean, Mike took all of his Nate Diaz winnings and then dumped it immediately <laughs> on Denver. <laughs> just the next day, the you next know, fucking day. 
Um, all right, My- stuff we like. Um, She-Hulk time, boys. It's over now. Did Mike, you watch She-Hulk? Why do you assume I like She-Hulk? No, did you watch She-Hulk? I did. You finished it? I meant yeah. we talk about it is what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah I did. I, and, I, and I did like it. I did like it, too. I, I liked it, too. I overall thought the show was pretty enjoyable. I enjoyed the finale. I liked I liked Pug as a character. I enjoyed mm-hmm. Josh Cigar. I remembered that Josh was from, I don't know if you remember this, Mark. Um, he was from Sirens. Remember the show Sirens? On um, It was the oh, show about yeah. the EMTs. Right. He was the girl. Remember the girlfriend was a cop and he had like, he had like the meathead boy uh, partner. It was okay, him. Sure. I totally okay. forgot he was on that show, but like, yeah, that's where Josh Sagara was on. Um, I overall enjoyed the show. I do appreciate that it got review bombed by the exact people who have been at, who are getting insulted on the show. So I guess that was almost appropriate um, in terms of uh, the incel community, I guess would be just dudes online in general. Let's not mm. specify just incels. It's just dudes online in general. Some of them sexist, some of them, I guess they could be racist in this case. They were definitely racist about Miss Marvel. Um, anyway, I like the show. I'm not sure how much detail I got to give about it necessarily because um, it wasn't really a show that I think that warranted me to dive giant, like dive into all the different parts of it. I like Tatiana Maslany. I've liked her in anything she showed up in. I've had Orphan Black as something I've wanted to watch for a decade. Maybe I will eventually, but yeah, I, I if there's a season two, I'll be watching. Mark, what'd you think? Yeah, I loved it. Um, I mean, I'm an easy mark for this Marvel stuff. I, I've loved all the the shows. I mean, maybe Love's a little strong. I, I thought Moon Knight was a little weak, and um, you know, we talked about before uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Those are the ones that maybe didn't hold quite as strong, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed this show. Uh, every week, I was disappointed when it was over. Um, I would love to have binged it. Uh, they were short run times, and I, I just thought it was overall just extremely fun to watch. I just had a blast. Um, and it kind of it did a lot of the things that I want Marvel shows to do. A lot of cameos, right? It definitely made it seem like this is a universe of these heroes that you know come into contact with each other. I think Jen Walters was played perfectly with how her comic, you know, portrayal is, where she's breaking the fourth wall. And and I, you know, from what I heard, a lot of people uh, they think the the last episode might have been like a little tryhard. But I mean, from what I've heard about how she has dealt with some of the you know um scenarios in the comic books were like she's dealing with some villain she can't figure it out and she just rips through the page and walks to the writer's room and just tells them like hey i want this to happen or whatever like that stuff seemed to be straight from the comics so what she did in this i thought was really fun and clever i mean i i think i heard a lot of people say like it was a little try hard or whatever but like i thought it was very fun when she went into the disney plus menu and then popped into the behind the scenes yeah, and then that, that was awesome <laughs> Yeah, and then you know talking to the Kevin thing was fun, and then it was, it was, I mean, literally Ninks and 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 nods to the fan base asking about X Men and stuff like that, and and her kind of brushing off like Kevin, like, oh, you need to bring Hulk back to tell you about the next. Like, no, 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 you can talk about that later. And obviously, they do eventually still squeeze that in because it still has to do what it has to do. But I thought it was really fun. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I think much like uh, Miss Marvel one of the strong suits of the show are the side characters where in a lot of other shows, I just really want them to get into the tights and start doing the superhero stuff. And I don't really care about the mundane B plots, but like this show, like I'm there for every B plot when it was puck trying to get shoes 
or was it Madison and Wong? Like there's a lot of side characters that like they would just have their own scenes. And I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm I'm totally down for just this, like just them, you know, having Matt. I mean, and and I think a good example is the Madison character. When she first was on, she seemed a little annoying, a little grating. And I was like, this character, I don't really know if I'm on board by the end of the episode. I'm like, her relationship was with Wong was just so fun. And it, I mean, it really and a lot of that had to do with the bounce back with Wong. Like Wong kind of playing along with her, talking about the drinks they like. And then obviously, you know, the whole thing with daredevil and Matt Murdock, their back and forth, I thought was extremely fun. It was really fun to see a team up where they kind of, they're talking about like, Oh, how are we going to like kind of get into the, like this warehouse or whatever. And she helped just wants to smash in and Matt Murdock wants to, you know, do it stealthily and stuff. I just, I, I really ate it up. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the series. It'll be really interesting. I think to see how all these characters are going to start meshing in. Cause they've been a little coy about it. Obviously we know there's, they're going to do a big Avengers thing at the end of the next or like the second two phases from now, but I'm going to be really excited to see a lot of these characters starting to mesh because even just seeing the stuff we saw here with Wong and um, uh, Daredevil and Abomination, just seeing those characters, let alone, you know, when Miss Marvel's in here and Cap and uh, Captain Marvel and all these other heroes that we've seen from all the previous uh, phases when this all starts me like melding together and Shang-Chi and all these different personalities I mean they just have like just a treasure trove of like fun interesting characters that they can bounce off each other and I'm really interested to see what they do with that but this show in and of itself I thought was fantastic I thoroughly enjoyed it um did you have anything you want to throw in there about the show Mike because I'm about to bring up the redeem team that's my actual thing for uh, myself yeah, I think the only thing is that I really like just how different the show was. Um, mm -hmm. I also like that it seems that with this show, Marvel is very self-aware of some of the very formulaic things that have developed in uh, a lot of superhero movies, not just Marvel movies, where at the end when she's talking with Kevin, she's like, really? Like, blood again? Like blood makes the, uh, the 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 villains as well. Like it, that seems to be a ongoing theme with uh, with with a lot of superhero movies. Um, I, I I like that the show didn't take itself very seriously. And I remember when I heard that it was being described more as like a legal comedy rather than like just a, a superhero show. I wondered if that was just, uh, you know, just a lie. But after watching the show, yeah, I mean, it, it played a lot like uh, a lot of procedural um, legal shows. Like, you know, like your, well, not a lot of them, you know, like your Ally McBeal's. It, it reminded me a lot of, except this time Ally McBeal was, you know, six foot seven and, and green. So I thought it was a very enjoyable show. I don't understand why people you know review bomb and just don't like a show because sexism the, i know but like it's just so stupid like what why what why does it bother you that the main character is a female why does it bother you that the main character is pakistani like was the case in uh in, in miss marvel i just don't get it but i enjoy the show i look forward to seeing what tatiana Maslani is in besides this. 
Um, all right, real quickly, I also watched the Redeem Team documentary. You watch it, Mike? I have not. Uh, you like Kobe a lot. Um, I think you're going to like it a lot. It was half it, the documentary was Kobe. Based, yeah, I was going to say, based off TikTok, all of the... All of the clips from the Redeem team I've seen off, off TikTok have been about Kobe. Well, it's, it seemed like they were like, let's just m manufacture. Did you ever watch the documentary they did about the Dream Team? That came uh, out like a few years ago. It was like the 20, yes. what, 30th anniversary or something. Or 25th yeah. anniversary, whatever they did. It kind of felt like they were just trying to recreate that with a mix of the last dance in there. Um. I, man, I do. We all lived through this. I feel it wasn't that dramatic. This whole, I, we weren't happy we were losing, but I feel I did not. It did not shake my basketball watching to its core that the men's team didn't win the Olympic gold medals. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. You kind of felt it was going to happen eventually one day, and then it did. So, and then they're like they say shit like this documentary where they're like. You know, there was a point in the world where people thought Manu Ginobili was the best shooting guard in the in the world. And I'm like, no, no, no. And then they're like, Kobe wanted to make a point. And I'm like, I don't think anybody thought Manu Ginobili was better than Kobe. Kobe, there was three better shooting guards on this on this team than Manu Ginobili. They had Dwayne Wade on this team. Like... What are you like? What are you I talking think, about? <laughs> I think in 2008, T Max back was still, you know, yeah, not giving him that many issues. There, he was yeah, better well, than Bobby Ginobili. My, my, my fucking Michael Red had had, uh, had that three point stroke going in 2008. Man, I don't know. Like, I'm right? just saying, like Ray, you know, Ray Allen was still prowling the, you know, the court just, at that I time. Don't know. I like. I felt they tried to. It's a you know, They want people to watch it, but it was really well done. Um, I would have liked to hear from other people, I think, because I, I, I say Michael Red again. They showed Michael Red a few times in practice, and I'm like, I'm not, I don't know, you could tell me Michael Red is anywhere. What happened to Michael Red? He just disappeared one day. He had like uh, two good Mike, seasons. Michael Red uh, got hit with a lot of knee injuries, and sadly, his career fizzled out as a result. But dude, like, dude seriously was like the man for two years in Milwaukee, yeah. basically. He was like hitting like 26 a game. Anyway, it was okay. I followed it up by watching the Tim Donaghy documentary and I fell asleep halfway through it because I remember just thinking, I remember just watching it thinking like, this is just, this all comes off a bit arch to me. I get it. Man bet on sports. It, it all happened. Scott Foster uh, was involved. Too. Are you referring to the documentary? The one was it? The uh, Untold? Yeah. So take that one with a grain of salt because I read that with the Untold documentary. They don't actually like fact check people that come to talk to there because the whole thing with the Untold series is this is, your opinion? Different people's opinions, right? That thing. Yes, but their their in is that we actually get the people to come talk about the thing, which and you, you don't question what they say. You just let them talk, run their mouths. Yes, kind like with the Manti Tail one. They actually got Lene, whatever Lene Kakul. At least the the yeah, the, 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 the scumbag, the scumbag yeah. who did the thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So, I mean, Stefan um, actually told me the same thing. Where he's like, I he heard it was like weirdly trying to make him look good. Honestly, I was just tired. I fell asleep. It wasn't bad. I was just like, okay, I just passed out in the middle of it. I know I talked a lot here. Uh, Mark's camera froze again. So if you can hear me, Mark, why don't you give us your stuff you like? This camera also froze.
Yeah, Mark with, Rose with again. Him, All right, Mike. With, with, with him looking like he ate that ill edible again as well. It's yeah, it's pretty nice. Um, um, Mike, what do you got this week? <laughs> so for me, it's um, a multitude of animes came back in the last uh, in the last two weeks or so. So weebs such as myself and and Stefan have been having a field day. So um, the second season of uh, Spy Family came back about two weeks ago, along with uh, after 10 years, the final arc on Bleach came back as well, the Thousand Year Blood War arc. So they're finally going to be able to finish out that series, which I'm very excited about. Season six of My Hero Academia just uh just came out two weeks ago as well if you notice there's a theme everything came out about two weeks ago um and then besides that my nephew sam actually put me on to uh, a manga slash anime that actually just started up you guessed it two weeks ago it's a sports soccer anime called blue lock where they get 300 of japan's best um under under 18 forwards and they literally lock them into a a building with the premise of five of you are going to come out of here being able to compete at the under 20 uh japan uh world cup um and they run them through a whole bunch of different types of scenarios and games that are very uh, unorth uh, unorthodox and you know pretty uh pretty fun anime so far uh two episodes in so a lot of anime for me this week um are you are you disappointed that bts is about to go do military service in korea for the next two and a half years i am not but i spoke with my niece jocelyn earlier today she is absolutely devastated however bravo to them because i I, I'm on TikTok a lot, boys, boy, boys and girls. You know, your your boys. Yeah, I know. A lot you, you keep sending you keep sending me links, and I'm like, I am not downloading. I, I watch the clips in the browser, but I'm not downloading hey, something hey. where the state the State Department tells me you shouldn't download this app. <laughs> okay. well, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Yo, and psst, don't deny this, Bobby. I send you fire. All right, I send you that quality shit. All right, that stomp him in the nuts video. I send you. The other day, I know you chuckled on that one because I, I was did. laughing on that one. Yeah, I kind of would just you find the Instagram reel and send me that instead. But all but right, props, props, props to BTS um, for all deciding to go do their military service at the same time since their oldest member, Jin, actually turned 30 and has to go himself as well. Um, and uh, well, yeah, so props well, to them. A legitimate question. I wish Stefan was on for this part because I know he's knee deep in this thing too. And not, I don't know, maybe you know it all too. But it seems like baseball players can get their way out of this. Or certain people seem to get that can get like a waiver. So there are certain exemptions that have been given before. And in the case of BTS, the so they've known, you know, obviously every uh, South Korean male has to go through two years of military service and their oldest member, Jin, I think his name, Jin, Jimin, some shit like that. Jin, I think um, he just turned 30, I think uh, a, a few months ago and the South Korean government basically had been vacillating and 
not making their minds up on whether they were actually going to give BTS a uh, military exemption, something that has never been given for any K-pop group before. And the reason why they were thinking about doing it is because BTS is so big, they actually have a, a impact on the South Korean economy. That's yeah. how big BTS is. So um, they still hadn't made a decision about it. BTS just had a free concert in Busan the other day, which was gigantic. Um, the South Korean economy apparently is in a bit of a downturn, which I mean, the rest of the world kind of is as well. And BTS decided on their, you know what? We're not going to wait for the South Korean government to make up their minds. Let's just go do, let's go get this shit done. We'll come back in 2025. It also probably gives us a good example of like anybody else who wants to do that shit. You're going to be like, well, we literally took our biggest fucking thing in the fucking, you know what I mean? Like we could, like if there was anybody you think we would give an exemption to and we didn't, is these guys. So. Um, all right, Marcus, why don't you take us on? Actually, well, Mike has to give us his stuff. He's like, you, you give us, what am I talking about? Marcus. There's a bunch of anime. Yeah, I gave you guys yeah, a Marcus, shit sorry. Yeah. yeah, sorry. Marcus, what is, uh, what is yours? Take us home here, buddy. Yeah, I'm going to keep it short because I know we're running late. Um, and I'll do the little stuff first and the big thing last. So, uh, there's a couple games I've been playing. One is called, this is the stupidest fucking name, Easy Come, Easy Golf. Uh, this is from Clap Hands. These are the guys that do everyone, uh, loves golf, the Hot Shots golf games. Uh, this is on Switch. I guess it was on mobile before. I mean, it is just their golf game through and through. They kind of changed it up with it's almost like a team sport where you have different golfers for each hole and you have to earn the golfers by going through this tournament mode. Um, but by and far, it's just the same kind of golf game. You know, if you ever played a Hot Shots Golf or Everyone Loves Golf or even Mario Golf to a certain degree, uh, it's very much that game. Uh, just kind of flipped on its format a little bit. I really like it. I think it's really fun. It's a great fit for the Switch. Uh, I did want to mention this coming Friday, uh, the new uh, game in the series like Arkham Knight. This is Gotham Knights is coming out uh, where, you know, essentially the premise is you're playing as either Batgirl, Nightwing, Robin or Red Hood. Uh, and, I, you know, it's getting a little bit of flack right now because it came out, I think, last week that the game wasn't going to have a performance mode. It's only on next-generation consoles. It was supposed to be a cross-gen thing. Oh. Um, and now it's next-gen only. Um, but it's not going to have performance mode, so it's not going to hit 60 frames uh, for PlayStation 5 and Xbox, which, I mean, mostly just leads people to think, like, the developers were just lazy um, and not hitting those benchmarks. I'm still really excited for the game. Uh, personally, I kind of like... Yo, who's those... bitching about this? Oh. Like, uh, of all the things everybody. to, like, draw a line at? Come on, man. People what? are okay. very stingy about their 60 frames per second being like the bare minimum of which they will accept. I mean, look, if that's the if that's the line in the sand you draw, hey, uh, more power to you. Uh, I mean, like Bobby knows, I would if if that really is a very you know mitigating factor for you, I would highly recommend to play on PC. Uh, I don't yeah. know if there's going to be a frame kind of lock on PC, but you know if you have the rig rig to run it, you could run it at 120 frames potentially. You know, I don't know how powerful or how unoptimized the game's going to be so we'll see i'm still excited for it um i think the premise is kind of interesting uh but we'll see you know come next week you know how it reviews what, what's this know. game called uh gotham knights which is it's close not... to arkham knights which was the so last it's not it's Batman. not but it's not part of the arkham I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find it on wikipedia it's not part of the arkham series i guess it's not exactly i mean don't they I don't have know. like magic powers or some shit as well 
Uh, Red Hood does for sure, because I guess apparently he died, so he can do like, and they have like tech. I think like Robin can teleport and shit, and I think Red Hood has some like death powers or something. So it's a little, maybe not the most grounded in the world, but you know, per, on a personal level, like I I really like Batgirl and Nightwing and Robin. I mean, I think Red Hood's the one I'm the least interested in, but I think playstyle wise, he could be interesting. There's is um, it a review? Is there review embargoes? Or is that why I'm not uh, seeing I mean, anything? Probably it's coming out on Friday. So reviews will either come out right before like a day before or it's it, it, it does have an embargo that, that you can't release it until it comes out. They might not have released it early. I honestly don't know. We'll see how review scores go. I mean, I think there's a lot of potential here um, from what they described them, like how the game kind of works with each night. There's certain missions. If you don't do any of the missions, the villains kind of progress their schemes. I think there's a lot of interesting things going on on the back end. Um, there's going to be co-op too, so they're they're trying a lot of new things. Um, in kind of the sandbox that they've been messing around with with, with the Arkham games, I'm excited for it. We'll see how it pans out. We will be back next week. Uh, when this podcast ends, or hell, maybe I'll do it during our outro song. I got questions about Gotham Knights for Mark. Um, but we'll be back next week where we're going to see if we got. Well, we're definitely gonna have a new lightweight champion because apparently there isn't one. Um, we're gonna see if we got a new bantamweight champion. Hope not. Uh, we're going to hope you're going to see if, uh, Mike is really rich. If he really is going to bet a hundred bucks on it. Are you going to bet 500 bucks on this? I'm amazing parlay. You said, or no, five, five uh, units, five units bucks. bro. Damn son. Sorry. Right. We'll see if Mike won eight grand next week, this time next week. We'll see <laughs> if I won 80 bucks. Though. He's walling out. I'm yeah. oh, sorry. It's not eight grand. Yeah. It would be eight grand. Wouldn't it? Um, no, is it eight to one? I said, Never mind. It's eight to one. We'll see if Mike won 800 bucks. Okay, we'll see if uh, I want eight, eight, eight bucks or 80 bucks. Can't do math at this point. Anyway, we'll be back next week. We'll see what's going on with UFC 280. We'll preview um, Al, Al Arnold Allen versus Calvin Cater, which fucking awesome fight that's going to be in front of 120 people. And if you got nothing to do on Friday, Johnny Lineker is going to be on the Amazon knocking fools out, Mark. I mean, that's, you could do worse things on a Friday night than watching Johnny Lineker yeah. on one. I mean, one's going bankrupt, <laughs> but they're still putting cards on. So, yeah. When when one's put out the thing saying Nate Diaz isn't part of their business model, I'm like, bitch, you broke. <laughs> you can't afford Nate Diaz. Anyway, Nate Diaz is joining WWE based on those pictures we saw. Anyway, back next week, I was Dr. Law. That was Lavender Gooms. And that was extremely blessed DJ Mark over there. We'll see y'all next week. Thank you so much. Peace out. Yeah. This exclusive pack on this uh, this game, whatever it's called, the visionary pack on this Gotham Knights game. I'm getting baseline, Bobby. But if you get it, we can play co-op. That's is that what you need to play co-op? Oh, you need co-op? to pay for the thing. You don't. You don't need it to play co-op. It's just you can play co-op in the game. I have not. Look, there's a real else. possibility I buy this game. I, okay. You know I love I'm my Batman. Down, I'm down for it. I All don't right. Think we can do three people. It might just be two, but we can we can, we can switch off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Peace out.